Okay, Inappropriate Earl, we're back on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Uh, not Spotify yet, because uh, frankly, I'm too lazy. And uh, I'm a one-man unit here. So uh, if you guys want me on Spotify, uh, you know, you got to help Daddy out. Because Daddy don't know what he's doing. Uh, but what I do know is how to get good guests. And uh, today I have uh, one half of the guest is a returning uh guest uh he's a lover of pro wrestler pro wrestling pro wrestlers he's got a hot rod shirt on as we speak i'm sure his uh girlfriend uh has interesting takes on uh anyone who likes pro wrestling i know i've lost every <laughs> girlfriend i've ever had because i made them watch monday night raw uh, <laughs> including my current girlfriend who's upstairs right now with lois the dog uh i made her watch monday night raw <laughs> it was horrific to see pro wrestlers coming back <laughs> who uh just was not a pretty sight in high death uh but we have the great lenny shelton hey yo i'm back baby and his significant other raja michael hi thanks for having me thanks for uh coming uh yeah, i am man. always fascinated by comedy um couples <laughs> It's a tough business. It is, yeah. <laughs> to have a relationship of any sort, mm -hmm. but especially if you're dating another comic. Yeah, and especially a comic who's a pro wrestling fan. Yes, <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, I think my last four girlfriends have been comics, but none of them liked pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Roger I'm getting to see... Oh. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Roger definitely knows that pain of <laughs> watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Well, I mean, can I ask, and I know they never say, uh, never ask a woman, how old are you in your 20s? You look like you're in your 20s. I'm a lot older than my 20s. Oh. Yeah. It's my birthday's on um, Monday. I'll be 38. Well, you do not look 38. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, well, even uh, someone in their 30s, I think, uh, pro wrestling peaked about, uh, I would say about 20 years ago, so... Mm -hmm. I used to watch it when I was a kid. Where did you grow up? Brooklyn. Okay, so that's a pretty big uh, wrestling, uh, you know, uh, area. New York, the East Coast. Uh, what were you turned off by? Just it was on TV, and oh, I'll watch this. Did you love it? Like it? When I was a kid, I used to love it. But that's when they used to put on, like they used to play Glow, like you know, more like a more women oriented right. show. So I used to love that when I was growing up. And I think I fell off a little bit in the 90s, but now I'm like getting reacquainted with it. I feel like they have really good women wrestlers right now. Um, I think it's probably the best uh, era ever for women's wrestling. Definitely. There's uh, amazing Asuka, um, Becky Lynch. Like, there was a bunch. I didn't even know that there were so many great women wrestlers. And now, like, I, because of them, I'm taking interest, you know? Ric Flair's daughter. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, she's amazing. And, um, I mean, I grew up, uh, well, I'm older than, uh, how old are you, Lenny? Uh, I'm going to be 42 in September. Well, you, don't look, well, you guys are going to have, well, I don't want to say kids yet, but I don't know what the deal is. But uh, if you do have kids, they will be good looking and youthful. Um, but like women wrestlers to me were like, I mean, I'm 50, so it's like the Magnificent Moolah. And, yeah. Uh, Wendy like, Richter. Wendy Richter, uh, yeah. And, uh, Velvet McIntyre. They took a break. Uh, 
from, uh, I think, using women as wrestlers after that era and using them as just big-titted valets, yeah. uh, which I didn't mind <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. At the time, uh, yeah. I had no problem with that. But uh, now they're actually, they might be more popular than the men right now. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all amazing. I think they are, they're more interesting to me than the men, personally. But mm. Well, I mean, they're... I, they're just as good athletically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously Ronda Rousey, we forgot to say mm-hmm. her. She's doing pretty mm-hmm. good for someone who's uh, not from a, a pro wrestling background. She's actually... I mean, she's a you, world-class athlete. Yeah, <laughs> but that sometimes doesn't uh, make them uh, good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Uh, not necessarily, yeah. I mean, I think some of, my, some of the best pro wrestlers, like Lance Storm... Mm-hmm. Was an I think he was an Olympic athlete of yeah. some sort, but uh, horrific yeah. on the mic. <laughs> right, he was terrible. Yeah, he was. Well, he just it wasn't in him. It wasn't. That seems to be just as important, right? Uh, being able to speak well and. I mean, I think. Yeah, in the late '80s and '90s, it, it, I think uh, it was beneficial to be as good on the mic as you were athletically. Yeah, and now it seems to be. Uh, they're more a- athletically inclined than on the mic. There's very few, I think, wrestlers right now who are good on the mic. Yeah, they're, they're not really given a chance to be because everything is so scripted down to the letter. Like, they don't really get a chance to show their personality. And they really rush through the uh, storylines these days. Yeah. Like, uh, I think, like, when the last good story, now, you're probably not going to be into this wrestling. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> like Sting, he's an older guy, Sting. Yeah. I don't mean the bass player from the police, but right. uh, <laughs> when he uh, fought Hulk Hogan that first time in WCW, it was like mm-hmm. a nine-month... Yeah, it was uh, like a year and a half. They didn't get in the ring for nine months. Yeah. Because uh, they really drawed it out, and it was like, so you really wanted to see it. Like, I can't wait for these two mother effers to get in the ring. Yeah. Uh, but they don't do that anymore. Yeah, they maybe. cycle them so quickly in one month. Yeah, like, like Sting yeah. and Triple H was just, I think, it, uh, maybe less than a month. They just kind of threw together bad. They, they did Sting so bad. Oh, they really came that, That's what got me on Roddy's podcast originally was... Uh. Uh, Roddy was coming to the comedy store. He's like, well, you seem pretty passionate about how Sting was used. Why don't you come on the podcast? And, you know, that's how me and Roddy got to be uh, podcast partners. Ah, cool. I got Uh, my Hot Rod shirt on. I know. I I love it. for you, Earl. I hope uh, you got that from RowdyRoddyPiper.com and not uh, (laughs) the Mm. WWE.com, who I'm sure gives the Piper family no money. (laughs) Probably, yeah. but now, how long? Now, I'm fascinated by comics who date because mm-hmm. uh, it is a tough business for two comics to uh, date. I've been lucky that I was never in competition with any of my girlfriends at the time, uh, including the, uh, my girlfriend now is a producer and writer. And, and so we're not really going for the same gigs. Uh, do you guys perform on a lot of the same shows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we perform together a lot. We co-produce a show together, a mm-hmm. monthly show, and then, of course, our album we recorded together. Yeah. And a lot of times people just book us together. It kind of saves us <laughs> gas money. We could drive in one <laughs> yeah. car. That's cool. important. <laughs> yeah. In L.A. comedy? Just, so trying know. to find a parking out here. <laughs> um, how did you guys meet? At a show? At a comedy festival. Mm-hmm. Which festival? Eagle Rock. Yeah, yeah, Eagle Rock Comedy Festival, yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but anyway, yeah, we met, and and we were just, like, friends for, 
couple years. Yeah, maybe two years or so. Yeah, you know, just like yeah, seeing each other, you know, at shows here and there. Yeah, and then. Uh, and then who did you uh, grow a pair and ask her out? Or? <laughs> you know what? Because <laughs> it's I awkward, to... <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think people. I'm sure people listening are like, how hard could it be? Yeah. You guys are comics. You're around each other a lot, but it's, uh, you're yeah. usually around other comics. <laughs> right. Which I think can... it's hard. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It... I think it's hard for a lot of male, look, tell me if I'm correct, but it's hard for a lot of male comics because we're always talking about how uncomfortable some of the guys can make us. So I think a lot of guys don't want to come across that way. So they might be a little more reserved, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that how I felt. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. in the Me Too, uh, Time's up era. It's, it's, I think, for a guy, uh, it's harder now if you want to ask a, a fellow comic out uh, because, you know, if she says no and or hey, if you're gay, you know, wh- whatever, uh, there's awkwardness after. And then mm-hmm. if they persist, you know, how much is too much? And, but she did not say no. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 yo, please, please. Well, I, I just want to say, I just, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I did not go up here. It was, it was, it was Raji who grew the pair and asked me. Well, I was working on, I was co producing a different show, and Lenny, we always got along. And then um, he came to a couple of the shows, so I could tell he liked, because I mean, how many comics just go to other com- comic shows, even if they're not booked on it? I don't go to any. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he came to a couple. So I kind of got the idea that he he was interested. But then I thought about it. Like, you know, I do understand that it's hard because you don't want to make things awkward and all that. All that. So I just messaged him and asked him out for coffee. And that was. Yeah. yeah. And we, yeah, we just hit it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, I can feel the energy. Between <laughs> <you guys. laughs> um and how did the album come? I mean, because in terms of your comic styles, are you guys similar? Uh, yeah, I guess we're similar in the subject matter. And yeah. A lot of the subject matter we talk about. Yeah, we talk about a lot of social issues and, you know, what it's like being a person of color in America. So, yeah, we have similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an interesting time with given who's in the White House. Yeah, oh yeah especially <laughs> yeah. now, yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, I, I do enjoy him in the White House just from the entertainment value. <laughs> it feels like a big joke, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, he can't do anything worse. And then even today with the hearings, uh, the Mueller hearings, yeah. for those of you who aren't in the political uh, bubble, uh, it's just to see the networks melt down. You know, Fox is saying they found nothing, and then CNN and MSNBC are like, get him, get him. And it's just like... <laughs> It's uh, and Mueller fast- just sitting there like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him. I mean, he, he uh, not want to be there yeah. at all. He just looks so miserable. Yeah, uh, he just seemed like he went through. It was like watching a comic just go through the motions of just. Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't want to be up here. I'm bombing. Uh, yeah, 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 we've all been there. Yo, I've been there more than most. Uh, but. Uh, how did you guys formulate the album? Like, because it's a big deal to put out an oh, album yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of the work and uh, the structure of it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we just, I don't know, we just uh, had this idea because mm-hmm. we were just like, you know, let's just put a, our own album, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's it's easy now. You can just, you know, rent out a place, you know. I think we're so lucky the time that we live in because we can put out content. It used to be, we used to have to wait for opportunities, right, to do stuff like that. Oh, sure. But now we live in a great... People talk about social media and all that, but I'm grateful for it. I think it's... We have all these opportunities now. It feels like crazy not to take advantage of it, you know? So 
we both have a lot of comp material. We thought like, you know, we're pretty compatible as comics. We kind of, a lot of com you know, a lot of our fan bases or like our followers start following each other or like the opposite. You know what I'm saying? So we're like, it just made sense to us. And it's nice. It's good to be like in a time like this where we could create our own content and not wait for somebody to approve of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's never been easier to make mm -hmm. it on your own. Uh, which is good and bad because now <laughs> everyone can do it. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. So it was just a lot of practicing. Like we had a few friends. We would practice our our material, you know, oh, really? by them. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then record it, listen to it, see what works and what doesn't work. And then even after we recorded it, going through the editing process, it's a lot of work, you know, yeah. like it's a lot of the less fun stuff, the editing right. and which Lenny is better at than I am. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys live together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how long is the... Well, first of all, what's the name of the album and where can people get it? Oh, the name of the album is Brownie Points and you can get it on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, like everywhere they sell music. You can stream it everywhere they stream music, Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. I mean, it, it's everywhere. Oh, you guys put the... It's on YouTube as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, and how long was it? An hour? So, so we both did, I think, about an hour, but like we cut it down to... So the... The album total is about an hour and 15, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And how it did you... It feels a lot faster, though. It's, it's really funny. Oh, and <laughs> yeah. you're doing well. That. Yeah. It's, yeah. You, know, an hour and you know, but when you're doing bad, that five minutes seems like, <laughs> yeah. seems like a fucking It was so hour. much fun recording it, though. It was. And where yeah. did you guys record it? Skip Town. Skip Town Playhouse in East Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what? how did you pick that venue? We could afford it. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, that, that, that was the main thing. And also, it's a really cool venue. You know, they're always doing shows there. The, the staff there is great, and they're really accommodating to us. So. The staff there likes, they love com comics, so that's right. nice. <laughs> so that's really nice. So they, they treated us pretty, really well. Yeah, it was great, yeah. And how did you go about, uh, you know, an hour and 15 minutes? That's mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, was it a set? Okay, we're going to talk about this mm -hmm. first five minutes. I mean, did you do it in segments or... Well, yeah, first one of us did a set and then the other did their set. Right. So, yeah, we did our sets back to back. Yeah. And we took like we each like took our favorite material, like our favorite bits. And we organized it in a way that it felt like a story a little bit. Not, not a story, but a little bit more like a story uh, than if we were just, you know, kind of in a random order. And we tried it out a few times. And uh, I went first. I will say I'm a lot newer to this world. So How long have like, you been doing comedy? Uh, about five years. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a little newer than Lenny is to this world. So it's like, <laughs> let me go first. I don't need you to go up and then like I have to follow you. <laughs> you know, Lenny's a really good comic. Oh, he's, so he's we've amazing. done uh, many, many shows at every Moose Lodge in the Valley. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, the Moose Lodge. Never at a comedy club. We've done Moose Lodges, uh, bars. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's what makes gigs like a theater gig so easy. Yeah, you can, really. Do comedy in a moose lodge on a you Saturday can do it anyway. night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like good. we're like wrestlers wrestling in a bingo hall. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, that's why I still, from time to time, do a quote unquote shitty room mm. because I figure when I get in front of a good crowd, it'll be like, wow, this is that's easy. That's where you learn, mm -hmm. right? I did yeah. a show once. It was at a sports bar. I don't know why they booked the show at a sports bar during the World Series. But this is how they did it. And we did a show and every single person had their back face to us. through the <laughs> And it was like one of the best learning experiences because I got a couple of laughs and I felt really good, you know, because I was like, wow, right. no one's even looking at me. Uh, but yeah, that's, how, that's the best way, right? To Yeah, I mean, uh, you can learn. Uh, I find in situations like that, you got about two minutes to get the crowd. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you don't, it's the baseball game or like, uh, I don't know if you ever did Ireland's 32. 
which mm-hmm. was in Burbank, a Monday Night Room in Burbank. But they got like TV quality comics, mm-hmm. uh, like Ian Bag and, and people of that nature. Uh, but they played darts in the back. Mm. So of course, they had the comedy night during the dart league uh, <laughs> competition. And uh, they would listen to the comic for maybe a minute. Exactly. And then if, if they liked you, they would stop playing darts. And if they didn't, they would play darts and play it very loudly. Yeah. It's just that you can't take personal and just... I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to not take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, I wrote these jokes. But, you know, you also have to realize that they're not there for the comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're there to play darts or watch the World yeah. Series. Or- yeah, I, I, I've done shows in bars where, like, people are playing darts and the dart part is, like, right by the stage. And, like, <laughs> darts are just, like, whizzing eye. right by. Yeah, you can literally <laughs> play darts from the stage. Uh, <laughs> so, but that's what makes you strong. And, uh, I mean, it, it's... Uh, Comedy's not, it's hard to get in at the comedy clubs in LA. Oh, yeah. So, unless you're on TV, uh, you have to do bar, bar gigs and mm-hmm. uh, moose lodge gigs and uh, gigs yeah. in the backs of restaurants and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, who were your comedy influences? Like, what made you want to do comedy? What made me want to do comedy? I like to talk, probably. <laughs> right. That's I important. Like, like, yeah. Um, I think I probably growing up, because um, of, you know, because of my age, <laughs> my age range, Margaret Cho definitely was like the number right. one person who made me want to do stand up. I loved her, especially when she would talk about her mom because it felt I mean, I'm not I'm Indian. It's different. Uh, my mom and her mom are from different countries, but they still felt like the same person when she would joke about her. So I love that. I think not like hearing something that made me feel not alone. That was the best part of uh, listening to her. So she was my number one influence. I love still love her. Oh, she's great. I mean, she's a survivor. I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who does comedy successfully for 20 yeah. years or whatever. Still funny. Yeah. yeah. She still has. She still writes. Yeah. Uh, Especially coming up when she came up, you know, when she was probably like the only Asian woman yeah, comic around. Yeah, gay, Asian, uh, yeah. female. I mean, that's... And you know, she's so supportive to Asian comics. Like those of us who are starting out, when I first started, she reached out to me and encouraged me. Oh, really? Yeah, she messaged me a few times and I was really shocked. I was so starstruck. I didn't know how to answer her. <laughs> I was like, it's a Margaret show, you know? And like, and I'm already like super uh, crazy fan. <laughs> so yeah, she's amazing. She reaches out to a lot of younger uh, Asian comics and tries to help us out. Or at least encourages us, you know, at the... Are you Asian? South Asian. No, I'm Indian, so technically Asian. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, were you, like, a big fan of Russell Peters? Because he's, like, a an icon of that uh, um, part of the world. Uh, I, I guess... I don't know. I think... I mean, Russell Peters, he, he's doing his thing. Like, good for him. I'm happy for his success. But I would say maybe I wasn't that invested in his style of it, right. you know? It wasn't never, not necessarily like I'm happy. I'm happy for anyone who's everyone is making it. Oh, for I mean, it's sure. Not, like I'm not trying to hate on him or anything oh, no. else. But yeah, no, I wouldn't say I was like a number one Russell Peters fans. I feel like I think South Asian comics. I like Hassan Minaj. I think he's probably my favorite right now. And Aparna and Charla. Uh, I think they're mm-hmm. po- they're probably my two favorite from South Asian comics. Mm. Um, and then Lenny, who were? It's been a while since we've talked. Who yeah. were your uh, comic influences? Well, I mean, you know, growing up in the '80s, like my. My Mount Rushmore of comedy was Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase. Like, those were the people that made me want to be funny. The solid group there? Yeah, yeah. Like, those are the, I worshipped them when I was a kid, you know. And then as I got older and I got more into stand-up, you know, there was Chris Rock. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, like, David Spade was a big influence on me. Uh, 
Now, so many people, Steve Martin, I got, I, you know, I started listening to his albums and, you know, like just so many, and, you know, and then there was all those stand-up shows back in the eighties and nineties. I used to watch them all religiously. So like they, they all had an influence on me in some way. Yeah. I mean, uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, getting back into the yeah. yeah, He just, he's doing another special now. 70 Netflix. million. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's a good reason to get back in the stand. Yeah, yeah I would do. I would yeah, do anything for seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah, right, I would do it for free right now. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. You know, he, he's been famous for so long, and uh, how uh, if he'll have the work ethic to sit down and write an hour worth of. Uh, you know, he'll always be compared to that first special. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is like unfair, right? Because who's going to beat that, like their own, like a special like that? It's I mean, a little unfair, but that's true. Yeah. But at this point, like it almost doesn't matter if he's funny <laughs> or not, right? He can just do whatever. Like, would you care if you got $70 million what people said about no. your special? No. <laughs> oh, I don't care what people say about my uh, various endeavors. It's like, hey, <laughs> if you can do it better, do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just hope he wears that red uh, leather outfit. <laughs> He looks in pretty good shape, you know. Yeah. Um, now, did you guys? So you guys both do a set, and then do you guys do a bit together? Like a yeah, like at the end we get together and we just like kind of do a little banter at the end. A yeah. little bit, yeah. not and too much. How long did it take you to edit it after and get it out there? Because that's a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it took about well for us since it's like our first time doing it and you know we we had a lot of technical issues on yeah. the way so it's like what because i think um, people think it's so easy just to hit record no and, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. you know live recording there's a lot of variables it's yeah. the acoustics of the theater and and the speakers did you guys set up the room with speakers over the crowd or uh, well, we had our we had a sound engineer who took care of that part of it, our friend Richie, and he's you know he was really great. Uh, but there was something like just something that couldn't be helped that happened with the first taping, where a lot of it just ended up not being usable, and it was just like an unforeseen. I guess with technology, it's never you're never one hundred percent. So we had to re-record my set, and my first set was perfect. Like it came out really perfect. So I cried. Like I was such a pain for Lenny. He was like learn how like he's the most patient partner a person could dream of because like I just cried. I was so dramatic. I was like an old Bollywood film, you know. I was like right. the, like crying and weeping and <laughs> uh it was it was ridiculous. Now in retrospect, I'm like I did a little too much. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> no, because because the second show went great and her set so we re recorded still great. it. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like like to do all that work again, it felt so like in the beginning it felt like but the second time around, it was kind of cool because we knew what we were doing this time. So it was mm -hmm. a lot easier. So I'm like, oh, next time we need to do a project. We already we, we've learned so much. It's really right. cool. So we had to re um, record that. And then the the venue we used, we used the same venue again because we want everything to sound the same. But we didn't know. But the venue replaced all their mic equipment. So then it actually sounded different. So then the whole like struggle was in the album to make it all sound uniform. Right. Yeah. So that was, it was. Yeah, yeah so it was that, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, so that took a while. It took about, I guess, it took us about six months. Yeah, to kind of it took a lot get, longer. Get oh, that together. long? Yeah. Yeah, because we had to like rebook the theater, re-record it. You know, and the theater themselves, they, of course, you know, they're pretty busy. So we had to wait for them to become available again. And so it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot, but worth it. <laughs> yeah, it was But it's always a lot yeah. harder than people make it seem, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't uh, think the general public realizes how hard it is to... Do something like this. It seems simple. You just hit mm -hmm. record and you do your sets, and then you, you know, that's it. It's like no, it's a lot of variables. Yeah, I think the hardest part is listening to yourself, right? Because you're you're always your biggest judge. 
So it's like the like a being disciplined to listen to yourself and not pick out everything you think could be better, you know, because however many times you record something, you're going to find something you think could be better. So. Well, that's why I never listen to myself. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard. really hard. Yeah. Now, did you guys uh, battle with each other a lot in terms of uh, the finished product? Because I'm sure you had uh, opinions. No, yeah, yeah. I guess here and there. I guess I'm the difficult during, one. During the, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, during not arguing. I don't mean did you argue, but like you both. Because uh, how long have you been doing comedy, Lenny? So I've been doing it. Uh, it'll be 13 years this yeah. year. So you're, you're quite more experienced. Yeah. So like. Uh, I'm sure you picked up on things uh, and you picked up on things as well that, you know, uh, maybe Lenny didn't. But uh, mm. was it a uh, much of a struggle in terms of uh, the collaboration? Oh, well, not the collaboration. So. No, yeah, we work really good together. Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. Yeah, we, 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 we enjoy working together. And, you know, we seem to just have like a, you know, an easy chemistry when it comes to collaborating on mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, you guys do a fair amount of political uh, mm -hmm. humor, uh, which is always risky because uh, uh, you risk alienating anyone who takes the opposite view of, of you in the audience. Uh, this is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you play in Orange County, it's, uh, I don't know if they're necessarily pro-Trump, but they're Republican. Yeah. Uh, so if you do like pro say obama jokes probably not going to go over well even if they're funny and mm -hmm. right yeah. in most every other area of la it's the opposite yeah la is easy for political yeah <laughs> yeah because are you guys uh liberal uh definitely more on the left yeah yeah <laughs> and so uh you know like i'm sure in east hollywood which is where uh you guys filmed this uh, it was more open oh yeah and to... it was our followers and our friends you know so mm -hmm. we're there so. yeah <laughs> Um, do you try and consciously, uh, not avoid, like, how do you navigate the world of political humor? Well, uh, for me personally, I just do my jokes. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, if I'm in a room where I know people aren't going to agree with everything I say, I just do my best to try to make it funny for everybody. Cause right. I, you know, cause I, you know, I do try to, you know, make fun of well like make fun of all sides you know what i mean so even if maybe they don't like a joke that's anti-trump well i have jokes about democrats too because i don't like a lot of stuff that they do either mm -hmm. so you know you can kind of get them back that way yeah i mean there's a lot of uh fun on both sides yeah uh, i think sometimes i think of where i am and sometimes i do do some more likely to do some material in some places than others right. like i don't complete i don't change myself but i have different kinds of material i don't only have political i have stuff about my family i have stuff about past relationships uh so i could sometimes i tailor it depending on where i'm going sure because um, i just think you know people they worked all day they're tired not everyone wants to hear politics all the time i get it because mm. you worked all day you're paying good money to go to a show you want to get away from something sometimes. So I try to be conscious of that, you know, like I try to, you know, it's an audience, you want to make them, I like to make them happy. Um, so I, I think about that. And then, but sometimes you do, like I got, I actually got once invited to do a political panel for a right wing. Uh, there was a, it was like a right wing political panel. But they knew you leaned to the left yeah. uh, and they still well, wanted you? They booked me as the, oh, right. the yes, yeah, so it was a comedy, it was a political comedy panel and everyone was like, not just Republicans, but like Trump supporting Republicans and like me. And I don't know why they asked me to do it. But I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get thick skin, let me go do this, you know? 
So I went and then I drank first because I was just like really uncomfortable there. Good I was like you. being brown and being a <laughs> woman. And it was weird, right? So I, I got there and I will say, and it was actually, it was moderated by Larry Elder. Who I am obsessed with. Are you? <laughs> no, I was well, I a. Do, uh, I could do a little gossip about him. <laughs> I'm a proud member of the Eldorados. Uh, <laughs> no, I love him because he's like a. Uh, for those of you who don't know who, I don't talk a lot of politics <laughs> on this podcast. Larry Elder is like. Uh, I don't want to say he's anti-black, but he's like an he, anti-black black guy. Yes. Yeah, he really. Yes, is. absolutely. I, I don't know if it's. He really believes what he says, or if it's shtick, just you know, like it's a way to make money, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching that thing uh, on uh, Showtime, The Loudest Voice, mm -hmm. which is about Roger Ailes and Fox, and like you know, Sean Hannity. They like at one point was just a normal like Republican, and they they like pushed him into being this like mm -hmm. almost pro wrestling like <laughs> announcer, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's kind of Larry Elder is yeah. like this. Uh, I wonder how much is really him and I don't know. You know, it's really weird to know because he's very like uh, you could tell he's thinking, you know, oh, he's, yeah. like, he's pre prepared. It was really I will say this. Um, one, I had a great set. They were really nice to me. I was really shocked. I thought I was going to get booed off the stage. And who really appreciated me were the women. They came afterwards because they were there with, I don't know, probably their oppressive husbands. I don't know what the deal was. But they came and said, thank you so much for speaking for us. And I was actually surprised. I wasn't expecting that. So I was like, oh, there's times where you could just be yourself in a room very different than you. And people will still embrace you in a way you don't expect. So that part went okay. Larry Elder, on the other hand, as soon as I was alone with him, he hit on me because that's what conservatives do. Really? Oh, yes. And his girlfriend, I'm, his girlfriend was there. His, his partner was with him and she was just like this really sad eyed woman, you know, that was like kind of lurking in the corners because she probably, I don't know, I don't know how you could be with a person like Larry Elder, but she was very friendly and she was very sweet. And then as soon as, uh, and you know, he's talking about his conservative values and, you know, they talk about family values. And as soon as I was like moderately alone with him in a hallway by accident, he started hitting on me. So I told me, oh, you don't look like a comic. You look like a model. I was like, I'm 5'1". I don't think I look like a model. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you seen models in LA? But he was like, oh, you should be acting. with." And I was just like, is that your girlfriend over there? You know? You said that to yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. I and love I mean, it. And he was like, she doesn't mind. I was like, you know, let's go ask her. You know, and then he kind of got quiet. <laughs> and I was like, just like a conservative, you know, as soon as like. You're alone with them. They hit on you. They're always the creepiest, mm. dirtiest men out there. It's so weird. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, his girlfriend was super nice. She kept inviting me over. She was like, we, we should all have dinner sometime. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to have dinner with your man. I don't want to be like at the table of evil. It's okay. <laughs> so I turned that down. But it was an interesting. But they were, I will tell you that right wing room was really nice to me. It was really weird. I think they probably respected you. Uh, it's like the few times I've done a black room. I don't, it's just, uh, I think. They're like, they might not think I'm that funny, but they're like, this guy's got balls showing up here. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, yeah. If you're a white comic and you go to a black room, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll respect you regardless. I mean, I try not to uh, battle crowds anymore. So, I, I try and pick my crowds as best uh, as I you're, can. Yeah. Uh, you're slowing down and you're. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, our, I think you know Roger Rod. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah he's our mutual friend he loves he's a white guy he looks like ryan seacrest yeah <laughs> uh, he loves it that's all he does are black rooms mm -hmm. and he kills yeah uh yeah. but i think he lo loves the the battle i don't at this point yeah. uh, i just want to <laughs> go up in front of like you know a crowd that's yeah. gonna think i'm funny right off the bat yeah but you know what like people like people think that it's like a battle like if you're a white comic and you go to a black room like really all you gotta do is say i love black people and that's, that's all you yeah. gotta do 
Oh, yeah. You'll do fine. I mean, uh, I think it's harder to be from any ethnic room, you know, just like as an Indian person, I would say an Indian room, they will be harder on Indian comics. Mm. Than they yeah. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm scared of Indian rooms. I'll tell you. This. <laughs> I didn't know there <laughs> were. Every other room, without being afraid, Indian rooms, I'll be scared of. I didn't know there were Indian comedy rooms. Where are these places? Uh, there's a couple of shows. There's one really good show called um, South Asian AF. That's at the UCB. Okay. There's another one that my friend, uh, a friend of mine, is a co-producer on there. There's another one that my friend Amrita co-produces called Indian Wedding. That's a great show because they do music, comedy, they do all kinds of things. Um, there's another show called Facial Recognition um, that I'm going to perform in, in in August, uh, and that's also a, a South. It's a South Asian mainly woman room. So there's three Indian rooms right now here. But where I'm from in New York, there's tons, but they're terrifying. <laughs> they're super terrifying, but they're you know, you know your own people are always harder on you. Well, I find uh, New York crowds to be. Uh more terrifying just because they're real people <laughs> yeah like there's very little industry in new york from the standpoint of like you know most of it's out here so uh you yeah. know you have to uh, they call you out on your bullshit in new yeah. york a lot more than they do out oh here. yeah i love new york crowds i love performing in new york yeah i grew up there and i i love that about them that it's that they're real people and they'll call you out on your bullshit and and they'll laugh too if something's really funny like they'll really they'll really give it up to you well, I think it's a better comedy city, frankly, yeah. than L.A. And I love uh, L.A. comedy, but, you know, you can pretty much just drive to one show and that's it. Where in New York, you could walk to five, six shows and get paid for most of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's changing. But, you know, yeah, changing. <laughs> but, yeah, you, know, you can still do a lot yeah. of shows. Yeah. Maybe you're not going to get paid as like like you used to, but yeah. I it's mean, getting really saturated there with comics, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think uh, I know a lot of L.A. comics move there, uh, but uh, they struggle because it's how you act in L.A. is not going to fly in New York uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. for the most part. I feel part. like you have, to be really, uh, you have to have really smartly written jokes in New York. Or yeah. People are not going to, you can't like just, here there's a lot of things you can do that could seem funny, but there you have to like really be sharp and like. Your performance has to be good. Your writing has to be good. Everything has yeah. to be on point. Yeah, yeah. I think in LA, they we value more performing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it was it was the same thing with roast battle. Like the New York comics would have these really eloquent, you know, five six sentence jokes, and the LA roast battle comics would just be one liners. Like <laughs> you look like blah blah blah. Most <laughs> comics in LA are actors. Too. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. But, but, you know, I find it funny that a lot of New York comics shit on L.A., you know, but they all have to come here to make it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. True. I would say L.A. crowds are so much more generous. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are nicer. Like, yeah. They're a lot nicer than and in New York crowds. Like, you know, you'll know if you did not have your, you know, a great set, you'll know. People will tell you to your face. Oh, yeah. Here, if you're working hard, people will be nice and they'll laugh, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> so. Well, in L.A., I think people are on vacation. Mm -hmm. So they want, I mean, they're on your side. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like, they've paid money to laugh. So, uh yeah, I think in New York they're they're more locals. Say, mm -hmm. so, all right, motherfucker, we're not on vacation. So <laughs> uh, I had just had to take the L seven to you know this platform and this subway. Uh, I'm tired. Make me laugh. Yeah, and everything's expensive. It's like this better be worth my money and my time, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't fucking park in New York. No. I don't yeah. know how people get anywhere. I tell you, that's one of the like my family ended up in Jersey because you know New York got really expensive. So we're all like kind of scattered around New York and North Jersey. And people are always like, when are you going to move back? I'm like, never, never. I'm not sitting in your traffic. <laughs> you know how bad it is for LA traffic to look good? You know what I mean? Like, 
I will never go back to that lifestyle. And people are just mad. Like the whole life there makes you mad all the time. You know, sitting in the parkway for like an hour to mm. go two miles makes you mad. But it's getting <laughs> to be like that in LA. I mean, there's yeah. traffic now at midnight. Yeah. Uh, it's like insane to me. It's like, where are these people going? Yeah. Unless they're crazy. all comics going to mics. <laughs> people work is. like two, three jobs, all kinds of jobs. You could go yeah. to your day job and then go to a restaurant to work afterwards. Mm. And- it's crazy out here. Yeah. <laughs> like paying rent. Maybe it's all comics driving Uber. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> to take an Uber and you recognize the yeah. guy or oh. girl. I was like, oh man, I don't oh, know. I've been talking. there. I've been the driver and been like, oh, are you going to a show? Yeah, I'm, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever picked up a comic? Oh yeah, plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. Driving comics to shows. Like, oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm not doing a show tonight. I'm driving you. <laughs> and did you ever get asked, hey, do you want to do a guest spot on the show when you were Ubering the person? Uh, you know what? No. And I, and I, you know what? I should be very angry about that. Yeah. I'm gonna start naming some names, but no, I did. I did get booked later though. Do you still Uber? No, I don't anymore. No. Uh, What, what, was it just, uh, not your thing? I mean, no, you know what? (laughs) Cause you have to, in LA, like it's so hard to make money in actual comedy. Yeah, uh, that we all have day jobs. Yeah. Everyone has a day job. You know, I'm a landlord, uh, you know, like everyone, no, I don't think anyone makes their living yeah. strictly off of stand up, unless yeah. you're obviously, you know, like, I don't know, Chris D'Elia, but yeah. even he's doing movies and TV mm-hmm. shows. Like, yeah. Well, let me tell you what happened. So I was, I was driving uh, Uber. I did that for a couple years and I was doing all right. But then uh, one night something really horrible happened. Please tell uh, us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I picked up this one guy and, uh, you know, he, he didn't smell great, which is not, you know, a big deal because usually if people smell bad, they leave your car. The smell goes away after a while. It's fine. But the guy leaves my car and I know it's like the smell's not going away. You know, like time's passing. I'm like, there's still like this really bad smell in my car. I pull over and I look at my back seat and there's a piece of shit on the floor oh. in my back seat. Is that shit in your Uber? Yes. It's your personal car. car, Yes. Oh, wow. That's right. Yes. Got shit in my car. Did he give you a good rating? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't don't know if he gave me a good rating. I don't know if he gave me a tip. I didn't bother to look. I just, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. Was it like, not to be gross, but was it like, the type that you could easily get out of your car? No, it was not. It was not because it was, I mean, do, do we want to talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want people to know the struggle of comics in yeah. Los Angeles. It's not yeah. all just okay. putting out an album on iTunes and making the money. It's, you got to. It, okay. I'm, I'm sorry if you're, if you're eating while you're listening to this podcast <laughs> or if you're squeamish. I'm sorry. Everyone's wondering that. <laughs> yeah. You, you can fast forward through this if you want to. No, but, don't, don't. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so the shit was like it was like crumbly. Did he, he had diarrhea? No, no, no. It was like crumbly. So like, you know, when I put on gloves and I try to pick it up, it oh. was difficult to pick up because it was like uh, you did know you have to get a detailer? I did. I had to get it I had to get it thoroughly cleaned. And also Lyft would not reimburse me fully for oh, getting my sucks. car clean. How do you contact Lyft and say, hey, someone just shit on my car? Yeah, I mean, they have a button you can press where you can just contact them if there's like a problem with, you know, the really? ride or whatever. Yeah. But then you don't get to work the rest of the night because you have to clean Yeah, yeah. Sucks. You don't get to work for a while and, and they wouldn't reimburse me fully for it. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I used to work in a car for Enterprise Car Rental uh, years ago. We used to find some really crazy shit in cars. 
Mm. Like, what's the weirdest thing you saw? Uh, four dead spider monkeys in the trunk. Oh. In plastic bags, at least. Oh. And, <laughs> 20 pounds of cocaine. Whoa. Really? In the car, yeah. And what do you do when you, do you call the cops? You're supposed to. Um, if it's like a little bit of cocaine, honestly, we used to vacuum it up because you don't want to lose good customers. Right. Nor do you want cops around. Like, nobody wants that. But with the 20 pounds of cocaine, our manager called the cops, you know, just because it was a lot. Um, but yeah, the monkeys, I think, I think my coworker just threw them in the dumpster. I kind of felt really bad for those monkeys. It's just you get so used to finding weird shit, you know, that you, you kind of get desensitized to it. You oh, yeah. feel like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, because she told, she told me the story before and I'm still just like amazed, like, damn, there's like dead monkeys. Like, yeah, it, just, was, it was actually, that was pretty upsetting. Those poor things. They yeah. They didn't deserve that. But I mean, I used to work at a health club and like the things I would have to clean out of the jacuzzi at night was. Oh, my God. Oh God. <laughs> <That's> so, <gross. laughs> so nasty. Oh. Condoms. Some big black bodybuilder fell asleep in there and took a dump. Oh, uh, no. I'll never forget his name was Milo. Uh, you know, so it's I think every comic has had a wacky job. Yeah. Uh, I did yeah. a lot of overnight jobs. Which are yeah. even crazier. Yeah. Mm. But just because it gave me a certain type of freedom when I was auditioning more. Um, but yeah, they. I kind of, I think I'm too old for it now. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but I, mean, I did. I worked in homeless shelters. I worked in domestic violence shelters overnight. And then for a while, I was like, there was a streaming company that was just paying comics to stream online. And I just talked to people for eight hours a day online. And you got paid for that? I did. And it's really hard to talk for eight hours and be fun and interesting. <laughs> I mean, I see comics, <laughs> a lot of comics make money doing Twitch. Mm. Yeah. Which is it was like, similar to that. But that company that I was working for, they don't, they're not around anymore. But it was very similar to that. But it was just, they didn't give us breaks. Or, like, they gave us two 10-minute breaks and one 30-minute break. But otherwise, we had to be entertaining for eight hours straight. And they used to want to see, like, what's your set? I'm like, I don't have an eight-hour set. You know, mm. once you have, like, your followers, it's easier because they talk to you. But before you build your following, just... Talking for, I used to like sometimes I go, I used to, it sounds so crazy, but I used to go in the bathroom and cry. I'm like, I can't be funny anymore. <laughs> I'd get my shit together and get back to work. But yeah, literally being interesting for eight hours a day, just talking uh, to to a camera. And what kind of money could you do? People like tip, is it like, do you, because I know like with strippers or whatever you want to call them, they get paid tokens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very similar to doing cam work where you get tokens and all right. that. Uh, and we would get paid out. I think, and the trick to it is a lot of people would chase to have chase a lot of followers, but I never really did that. I just tried to get older people because they had money. <laughs> they right. would, so they would pay me. And I was really weird because this group of scientists from England started following me and they would talk about neuro, like neuroscience. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything about this. So they could do more talking. And that was like a little break for me. Like, right. <laughs> but it was weird. But like in that I was doing overnight because most people... Um, when there's because you know they let us make our schedule but people stay up to talk to strangers on the internet at night so i was doing that from 10 i think it was like 10 p.m to 6 a.m every night and going in late when i had shows just yeah to not have you know that's there's a lot of like we do horrible jobs it was a horrible <laughs> it was probably the worst job i've ever had but then um and the worst thing about it is like people on the internet are so scary and they get mm. like really obsessed with you and they start stalking you and they like they tell you like, oh, I know where you live and I'm going to kill. Like, you know, it's kind of scary, like especially for like some creepy men on the Internet when you're a woman. Uh, so these they like you get like harassed. So you have to block them, like always blocking people. And uh, 
Then there was like a group of like neo Nazis who used to like come in and like just their. It's a good fan base. And, oh yeah, like they just did it to harass you. You know, they used to like. Because you're a woman of color, not necessarily right. color. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I don't no, definitely know. women of color. Yeah, definitely they would uh, harass you for that, and they would just. It was really weird. Like the weirdos did come out, but then it's so funny because your your real followers, they would start fighting with the harassers, like with the trolls. Like they would start yelling at the trolls. The trolls and your followers are all fighting. Like this big chaos. <laughs> yeah. uh, or sometimes it's weird too because like sometimes someone will say something in your chat which will give away that they know you but they won't tell you who they are and that's like really weird. Mm, it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's super creepy. Like I saw you at Sasson Church at, you know, I went, I went inside the show at Westside Comedy Theater and someone's like, oh, I'm going to come see you and I was like, oh, are you going to tell me that it's you when you get there? And he's like, I've been to many of your shows and I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't know. That's <laughs> There's a few people like that on uh, Twitter. Huh? Who, uh, who have anonymous uh, Twitter accounts, but they uh, do commentary on the comedy scene. So you know, like they were in the room with yeah. you that night because they're talking about a show or someone's set. Uh, that is like, wow, who was that? And, Mm. So, See, I want, yeah, I, I want to be talented enough to have stalkers. Where are my stalkers? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Just having... go online. Just stream online. You will get stalkers. It's not fun, though. I love having creepy fans. <laughs> you know, because they have money to spend. Like, you know, that's why I love, uh, I don't know how much of a percentage of it is of my fan base, but like a gay fan base, because they have no kids. Mm. Uh, are now they adopt, but like, a lot of them don't have kids, so they have disposable income. Mm. So they'll buy your CD or go to the comedy store or wherever you're playing. And uh, and Earl is eye candy. If you see him with a shirt off, he, he really. Is. I mean, you know, for an older guy, I, uh, you know, try, you know, try, you know, my ex girlfriend who used to manage the band Motorhead, who uh, they, they were a primarily a male fan base. I can assure you of that. Mm. Uh, she said, you want girls to come? Chicks equals dicks. Because, you know, that, that was her. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be so uh, crass about promotions. <laughs> but it kind of made sense. You, you know, you if you dress nice and girls or whatever I do, girls come to your show, then the guys want to be where the girls are at. and you gotta, That's why clubs always let women in for free, right? Yeah, you got a sold-out room. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, look at uh, Chris D'Elia. is like the, the, a great example of, you know, so many hot chicks want to be watch him and then uh, the guys want to you know and he plays the arenas so uh i can't say i'm playing to arenas yet but, uh, <laughs> you know it's because it's, it's so many ways to promote i mean you guys know with your album like you, you got to take uh traditional and non-traditional routes to because there's so many people like us because we're a brown couple you know like it's, yeah it's, yeah you don't see a lot of brown couples on the media like and even in like you know TV shows and stuff, they don't really cast that way. So a lot of people don't really see. A lot of people have told us that they really like that they see two brown people mm -hmm. like being nice to each other. Yeah, because <laughs> you know? yeah. like, they yeah. don't. You know, and not that we're not nice to each other in real life. You just don't. The media, you know, you don't see a lot of that in in the entertainment world being represented. Yeah. So creating representation makes people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think right. Would you yeah, think and I right? think and I think in general because uh, I think historically when there's been like a comedy couple. Mm -hmm. 
they do a thing where their bit is like they bicker with each other right. or they yeah, argue yeah. with each other, yeah. you know, and we don't, we don't do that, you know yeah. I mean? We get along very well, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, in line. I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. you got to teach these men how to treat you. Like, I'm not doing all that. If I had to teach them all that, we wouldn't be together, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, George Burns and yeah, uh, Gracie yeah. Allen. Yeah. Right? yeah. Was I their mean, shtick. I do love Gracie Allen and George Burns. <laughs> yeah. great, mm-hmm. like, Steve and Edie, uh, Archie yeah. and Edith, although weren't necessarily yeah. a comedy couple. Uh, yeah, they do. Like yeah. the people, like most people are like, ah, and they're kind of making fun of each other constantly. And we don't mm. do that. No, yeah. Sometimes we'll take a crack at each other, but not very yeah. severe. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're dating for two and a half years, or which is like, I don't think people realize how long that is in the comedy world. That's and in like LA. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, LA in LA. And comedy put together. Right. It's like a 20 year relationship in like Idaho. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. And, but, and people don't really do relationship out here too much. I mean, well, I, it's uh, it's hard. I mean, the, our lifestyle uh, is, you know, in terms of like the hours. Yeah, we work a lot. You know, who else can keep up with, you know, going out at 10 or 11 at night, not mm-hmm. coming home for, you know, till your show's over. You know, that's the yeah. thing. I know people always say, get shocked that we're together as both two comics. But I actually find this easier because anyone else I've ever dated just couldn't accept all of a sudden. I'm like, hey, I booked a show. I won't be around Friday night. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, when are you going to get home? I'm not sure. You know, kind of thing. It wasn't yeah. like it. It really hurt other relationships. But with us, yeah. we understand because we know that the life, you yeah. know, so. I know a lot of yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of comics that had to quit doing comedy because they got into a relationship where they got married and they couldn't go out. Had at a night. kid. Yeah. Never make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I think some comics think, "Oh, I'll have a kid," and you know, you don't realize. You know, you just can't leave your wife alone while you're doing an open mic or or, or paid show. Really. Uh, hey, I got to go to uh, Ridgecrest, which is two hours away for a, a spot and your wife is uh no you're gonna change the diapers yeah. mother effort <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you can't blame the partner right like i couldn't blame before i just started doing stand-up i dated a stand-up i'm not gonna say who it is because it ended up really bad i've been but there I, <laughs> 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 it ended up like a huge disaster i remember we used to it used to really bother me that he would cancel on me constantly like when we had plans and that's not why we broke up but i remember how much he used to grade on me and then when i started doing stand-up myself I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad that I came out of time about that. Yeah, I mean, now I understand. You just don't always know your schedule, you know? And mm-hmm. So now I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm still glad. It still needed to end. He's still a jerk. But that part, I was wrong. <laughs> you, know? you get a lot of last minute gigs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you if you say no, there's like 20 comics you'll say yes. Yeah, so yeah. you can't really... Um, you know, like I was asked last minute tonight to co-host the Comedy Store podcast. And uh, I was going to go out to dinner with my girlfriend. I said, hey, do you mind if, you know, because uh, it's like there's probably a hundred people who would love to co-host right, that. Yeah, definitely. Because it's the, the Comedy Store's main podcast. And she was very cool. and But like, it's tough. You know, you yeah. have to put it everything second to... Until you make it. And who knows when you make it. What's making it? I don't yeah. even, you know. It's- and also to have a partner too that will tolerate like the fact. Because like we, I spend so much of my free time writing. Right. You know, like it's not. I can't expect someone who, you know. And you're right. In LA, we all have to have day jobs. I work full time. And then I work from home. So you hear me all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and then my free time, I'm writing. And then working on something new constantly. You know, and when I was, uh, before we got together, that thought of any time I dated at all, it would cut into like I couldn't do all that because no one 
I mean, if you have, if you just have a regular nine to five and you want to have fun with your partner afterwards, you know, sure. that's a reasonable expectation. I'm like, now nah, I'm just going to go home and write jokes that I don't know if I'll ever make money off of. And I want you to understand. I understand how unreasonable of an expectation that is yet, you know, and, uh, I mean, in the end, I remember once I dated someone and he was like, do you care? What do you care about more comedy or me? And I was just like, mm, God, probably comedy. <laughs> we just met. We just started dating. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. But, you know, and he's like, well, will this change if we last? I was like, probably not. And of course, he dumped me after that. And, you know, I was like, you know, I understand. <laughs> like, that's cool. But what, we don't uh, have those problems anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what did he do? For uh, He was a, not, a non-comic, right? He worked in IT. So yeah, that's a pretty much a nine to five job. Yeah, he had no idea. He got paid so much money, and his job, like he barely did anything. He'd be calling all the time, like oh, there's nothing to do. I'm like, and you get paid a lot of money. Like I don't know your world. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, like you know, you should understand mine a little bit. Your life's kind of easy right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I find if, expect it. if you don't do stand up, you don't understand no. it. Mm-mm. Like nah. uh, it's like being a pro athlete. Yeah, you know the sacrifices they make and. You know, uh, I don't understand it because I'm not a pro athlete. So yeah. uh, you just have to have like a really good partner, really good understanding partner, like as we all do right here. So yeah, I mean, it, it, in some ways, I think comics should only date each other. Understand our world. But then you know, it. it uh, I've seen some cases, and I don't think it's in your guys' case, uh, where you know one gets a little more. Uh, not, I don't know, famous is the right word, but uh, successful, and then can be tensions in that area mm-hmm. uh so i think that's the one uh, yeah, competition can be a i think what helps with us though is that i i'm fairly new right? i'm five years and lenny being like 12 almost 13 years i don't think we really compare each other mm-hmm. so you know what i mean like right. i'm still we're in different stages as com- sure. comics so i think that helps a lot mm-hmm. yeah right? and then also everything like we do most of our writing we work together mm-hmm. we, you know we work together on a lot of our projects so yeah it yeah. helps but yeah and we're always trying to help each other get better so. and also lenny's good like mo- a lot of most i mean i'm just gonna speak as a woman like well honestly most of the time if you're a woman in a relationship with a man men feel like they need to be better you know and that competition ruins things mm-hmm. but lenny's not like that he gets along with women so we don't have we don't have that problem right. well most men are insecure Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know me, I'm really outspoken. <laughs> I'm a Leo, you know, I like attention. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, everyone likes attention who does stand up. That's true. Yeah. I'm just going to admit it. <laughs> oh, I love attention. Uh, Good, bad, I don't care. I'll take it. You know, <laughs> like, give me a mic. Yeah, but yeah, who doesn't like If you, every comic likes attention, mm-hmm. or else mm-hmm. if you did it just for the art. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I hate people who claim that. I'm like, stop lying. No. You were just doing no. your living room. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna exactly. do these jokes to myself, or just for family and friends are here and there, you know. <laughs> I mean, you want, we want the validation of others, yeah. Or else, mm-hmm. I mean, like I always laugh. I, I love the group Kiss, mm-hmm. which probably speaks volumes about me. <laughs> uh, but like Gene Simmons says, I don't uh, care what the critics say, and I guarantee you, he's the first one to pick up a review and read. Oh it, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. so. We okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, like if we didn't care, we'd do it in our living rooms. And right. like, although I don't look at reviews, like I really don't. Uh, like I looked up my name once on Reddit, which was a major mistake because uh, uh, I didn't know what Reddit was really. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, which is a, a lot of weirdos. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. still don't understand. I mean, it's an, uh, a a message board of underground comedy fans and. 
There's all kinds of stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, you can think of. I was horrified by <laughs> what was said about me. Oh. Uh, it's what? like YouTube comments times 100. Yeah. Like, oh. I thought YouTube comments were like aggressive. But sometimes I wonder who are these people just messaging mean stuff about like do you have, I sometimes I feel bad and then sometimes I'm like this person has nothing to do with their life also. <laughs> well, I think they're people who are these people who are jealous of you mm-hmm. or Lenny or me doing what, we want. Doing what mm-hmm. we want and they're like all right I'm going to shit on this guy or girl cuz they're I'm just at a working the graveyard shift at Walmart. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, or they don't have the courage to do something. So there's a lot of courage to do what we do. Yeah. So it was like the trolls and your childhood friends who do that. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, I used to troll <laughs> I mean, every now and then I troll on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. It's oh fun. yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I do it in a fun way. Never. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I watched a documentary on uh, underground MMA fighting. Uh, I think it's called dog pound. There's dog fight. Your mom likes MMA. <laughs> it's really fascinating. Like this guy set up a like the UFC of backyard uh, fighting in I think Tampa, and oh, that's uh, interesting. the guy who did it was uh, probably one of the top documentary guys. Uh, he did Cocaine Cowboys. His name's no, Billy Corbin. Right. And I sent out a tweet uh, saying the funniest part was when they showed a pit bull taking a shit in the in the octagon or like in there. <laughs> wasn't really an octagon it's like barbed wire <laughs> loosely man uh, he instantly messaged me back on everyone's a critic uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're friends like uh, that's like a harmless trolling yeah, there's different yeah. kinds of trolling like, yeah i mean when i used to stream people used to like troll with death threats i was like oh my oh yeah <laughs> i get so scared yeah. sometimes i did that thing mm-hmm. once uh it was called battle cam mm-hmm and it was this billionaire had created this uh, TV network where uh, it was streaming and uh, people did talk shows. Cato Kalin had a show just to show you the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and they had like uh, a couple 80 supermodels would have just basically what you were doing, twi- Twitch to a degree. And uh, the they could Skype into you. So you could see their face. It was like trolling, visual trolling. You could look at the... Do they have to pay to Skype into you? You know, I'm not sure. This guy who was uh, in charge of it was like a billionaire hustler slash con artist. And the studio was in Beverly Hills. So I did a show with Jeff Richards, who was... uh, He was on Saturday Night Live and uh, Mad TV. And uh, the, the, the message board comments were just... Like brutal. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're not funny. They would make fun of Jeff because he was fired from both shows. But to me, it's like he still did. He was on two shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, I believe. Most of us did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's the only person to ever be on both shows. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe there was one more, but like he's definitely the first. Yeah. You were on two. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. the first. Yeah. Uh, I was like, wow, you were on Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And this guy's telling you to die of AIDS. Yeah. Uh, and it's always the weirdest I'm, shit, right? Die of AIDS. You know, and it's always super ugly people telling you you're ugly. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what are you telling? Yeah. You look at their picture and it's like, oh, God. Well, that was that the thing. <laughs> like the, the video, uh, the one thing I liked about Battle Cam was you, the video was like, well, dude, you have an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> and you're calling me fat <laughs> and Jeff this. And then I'd stay and watch the other host. Uh, you know, I used to always have men in their fifties and sixties telling me, "You're too old to do this. You're over the hill. We want young women." I'm mm. like, first of all, I'm not doing anything. I'm just talking to a camera, 
and also I'm a lot younger than you. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, these guys were so weird. They're very critical on, yeah. when they're home. And I feel like these people, like if they saw you in person, they'd probably be cool with you in person. They'd probably be like, oh, you know, I was just fucking around. No, actually, I really like you. It's almost like they're trying to like compete with each other to, you know, say oh. the worst shit. Yeah. I also think like they when they see someone on a screen, they forget it's a person. Hmm. You know, I don't know if they do. Really? <laughs> uh, I mean, I had uh, a guy the other night heckling me at the uh, in the main room of the comedy store, and I wasn't killing, but I was doing pretty well. And this guy was the only. He was just he had a date. And I think he was trying to impress the date. It was like basically a live troll, uh, and he was kind of ruining the mood because probably maybe like 200 people in there and, and I had most of them on board and he's like, uh, you're a comic. I paid for this shit. This is not funny. When's the comedy show start? Uh, mm. I, I mean, it gave me no room to play in other than I'm funny. Uh, <laughs> and you can't really do that. Uh, yeah. And then he Instagrams me about an hour later saying, dude, I'm a huge fan. I thought what we did was great tonight. <laughs> right. In their minds, yeah. right? Some people do that. I was like, like no, dude. <laughs> I had a once a heckler who was like, I get to heckle because the show's for everybody. I was like, mm, not the mic, though. You need to go down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's heckling. Well, I mean, with hecklers, it's. I think most of them just want to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. uh, in this guy's case, the other night, I don't know what he wanted. Like, because I was acknowledging him playfully. It wasn't helping. Uh, you know, I was trying everything in my bag of tricks to calm this guy down and. I, sometimes if you if you talk with them you make it worse yeah yeah it's hard to know too because i've found like i've had situations where somebody will be heckling me and then if i shut them down real hard like they'll laugh and then they'll like shake my hand after the show like oh yeah that was really good how you got me or whatever but it's like but why did you do that anyway you you know you could have fucked up the show they want to be a part of the show yeah, yeah. they don't they want to be a part it's like you know but then get get like your five minutes together start doing some open mics yeah something. i think they're too lazy yeah but they want to be because i remember once um I was at a show and this guy kept like interrupting everybody, but me most of all. And it was kind of irritating because I first started. So, you know, when you first start, you're still like every time you get stage time, it's so like every second counts. And I was like, I lost like a minute and a half due to this guy. Mm. So I was like really upset. So then he comes over to me after the show and he's all like, oh, you know, I have this. Like he was trying to show off about how much money he had. And it was like, I'm sure he made up half of it. But like, he's like, let me get you drinks. Everything's on me. Let me take you out sometime. I was like, yeah, no, nah, that's not going to happen. He said, but we had such a fun time tonight. Mm. I thought we had great chemistry. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to give you my number, you know, and I, I left. And then he found me on Twitter and I had to block him off Twitter. He found me on Instagram. He had to block him off Instagram. He friend requested me on Facebook. I had to block him off Facebook because he was just like, not taking no for an answer. And then he's like, I see where you hang out. I see where you do shows. And I was like, you're kind of borderline stalking me right now. Mm. And then he found my email somehow. And then he emails me. And then he's like, I really felt like we had chemistry. And I want to come to. And I was just like, so I had to email him. I was like, look, you know what? I don't know what you felt. But that wasn't chemistry. Like, you know, I'm a performer. I have, you have to, you know, when you're a performer, you have to have chemistry with every crowd. You don't just, you know, I'm a good public speaker. Maybe that's how he, what he saw. And I was like, but this is really uncomfortable. And, you know, if I see you anywhere, I'm going to run the opposite direction. Please don't mess. Look, especially email. I don't have that in a public place, you know, like it was my personal email. Mm. And so then he sends me one last email apologizing like, oh, I'm so sorry. You should have been more clear with your signals. 
I was like, blocking you off wow. of three social media sites? <laughs> it's not clear with my signals? Like, I blocked you off three social media sites. Well, I think some people are. I mean, there are some scary people out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, and he was messaging me his own jokes. <laughs> oh, God. And asking me out for drinks and saying other inappropriate things while sending me his own jokes, asking me if they were funny. I mean, there's wow. some frightening people out there. <laughs> yeah. Not many, but like, there are like. There's enough. <laughs> well, nowadays, like you said, with social media, hell, with Google Earth, you can, it's not that hard to find out where someone lives. Yeah. No, no, it's not. And, uh, I think it's like super scary to be a woman too on stage because there's so many people who think like, if you're a woman on stage, you want this attention and they just go for it however many times you tell them no. Yeah. And if you're wearing like, you know, like I like to wear like leather pants that are, I, I don't know, I don't know if they're revealing or not, but like. You know, so for a woman, if you like to dress nice or like, I don't know. Yeah, I learned that like in my first two months of doing stand up to stop wearing dresses to comedy shows. Mm. But if like, that's what you yeah. want to wear. Oh, God, so look at me. I'm girly. You could see like by the way I'm dressing. Like I'm a girly girl. I like makeup. I like dresses. And in the beginning, it's weird because now that I'm in a relationship, I guess some guys, they respect Lenny enough not to harass me. <laughs> but like, they but don't they respect do. me enough not to harass. Mm. They will respect another man enough not to harass a woman, but they don't really respect the woman enough so like mm. when i was just being myself like going to shows looking cute wearing dresses and going but as a single person and getting and not really knowing anyone yet because i was brand new and i got hurt there's one particular club i'm not going to say which one but i got harassed so bad at that club i could guess yeah i'm sure you can get i won't say which one but i know you know and it got it was just it started with like the booker who booked me i was in i did a show at the main room and then, so the booker called me aside and he was just like, oh, this is so-and-so. It was another comic on the, the lineup who, that guy, I don't, I, I don't think he had, I think he was deluded on how attractive he was, but I don't think he had bad intentions. So he was like, yeah, he wants to get to know you better and stuff. And I was just like trying to get away from there. And the guy was like 60. I was like, okay, this isn't happening. <laughs> I was always trying to get away from there. And then the booker got mad and he was like, I feel like you're disrespecting my friend. And I was like, well, what do you want me to say or do? And he was like, well, this is an important person to know in this scene, which he wasn't that important. But he was like, this is an important person for you to know in the scene. And I think you need to be nice to him. And, you know, kind of being manipulative, like right. over mm. like stating their importance. And the comic that he was saying that for started feeling bad. And he was like, just let her go. She's not comfortable, you know. So I left. And then so <laughs> I was doing my set and he intentionally cut my uh, lighted me two minutes early. So and I was recording my set, so I know how much time I I was up there for. So he lit me two minutes early. It was the booker, and so I went to the green room in the back afterwards, and I was just like, "That was two minutes early. That was really weird, you know." And I had like some of my relatives were in town, and they came to the show, and then um, and I just kind of ended abruptly and left. And then when I went to the back, he started cussing at me, yelling at me like, "Fuck you!" And this is like, "Don't you ever fucking run the light in my show again." Who the fuck do you think you are to disrespect me and my friends and the other? And I was just like, I pulled out my phone. I was like, well, here's my set. So you can see how long I was up there. And I don't care who you are. You don't talk to me that way. And he was like, are you sure? You know who I am? I was like, I don't care who you are. This stops. This conversation ends. And then he looked at my phone. He saw like how long it was or whatever. So then he calmed down, you know, and the guy that like he was trying to like introduce me to, he kept telling him, leave her alone. She's not interested. Like, you know. And then the headliner came out and she saw it and she was like, what is happening? Who are you? Why are you talking to her like that? So I guess because the headliner is a famous comic. He calmed down because he wanted to look good for her and he left me alone. Then I was leaving and I left something in the green room. So I went to go back into the into the comedy club because I went outside and the fake door person didn't let me in. And I was like, why won't you let me in? And he's like, you don't look like a comic. 
And I was like, what does that mean? What does a comic look like? He's like, not you. I was like, oh, because I'm a brown and I'm a woman. I don't look like a comic. And he was like, pretty much. And I was like, no, let me in. And he's like, we don't need groupies trying to get in for free. I said, like, there's no groupies here. <laughs> no offense to all the I'm I guess almost... attractive male comics everyone thinks women are throwing themselves after, but that's not happening. And I was like, hey, look, you know, like my personal items are in there and either you go get them for me or you let me in. But I just did a show in the main room and you're not letting me back in the club, you know? And so it became this whole ordeal. So I went in from the front. So this fake security guard came after me, starts threatening to call the police and stuff. So finally, I was like, okay, you know what? Why don't you call the police so I could do a police report? By the way, you fuckers are trying to steal my shit that I left in the in the green room. And then he finally let me go get my stuff as soon as I threatened like a police report, I ca- which I guess is my Asian privilege that I could do that. So then I get out of there. And then the next day, another comic there was like, oh, my boy who was doing security, you know, he wants to talk to you. I was like, the guy who fucking threatened to call the police and was harassing me wants to talk to me. He was like, yeah, he saw you when you walked in. He thought you were funny. And he was asking me who you were. So basically, this guy knew I was a comic all the time, the mm. whole time, was just pretending right. just to harass me. And then I was like, I had to block like four people because I was just like, what? Damn. I was like, why do I have to block people? Like, I never blocked anyone on social media in my whole life. Like, that's not me. Even if I don't agree with you, I'm still going to be your Facebook friend, you know? Like, so I was just like, what is happening to my life? And these guys start messaging me, like, oh, you should hook up with our boy. I was like, no, I'm not getting near your boy. Like, he threatened to call the cops on me. Can you, you know? just wow. give me the initial <laughs> of the the show promoter? I don't think he works there anymore. If I did... Just give me the first initial of his name. M. You know who yeah. I'm talking about, right? Because everyone has a problem with him. Does he have a... Well, we'll talk off. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, well, though, you know, you talk about comics being a strange breed. Uh, comedy show promoters are even a stranger breed because mm. uh, I find most of them, not all, but most, uh, value themselves uh, a little more than they should. <laughs> yeah, a little, just a little. Just and, what, a little. <laughs> and what drives me insane is when they have like all these great comics on a lineup, like you know, famous A-list comics, and then their picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> nobody. It's like I'm a big pro wrestling fan. You know, Lenny is as well, but yeah. I would not feel comfortable taking a picture backstage with, say, Hulk Hogan, the ultimate warrior. Well, he's dead. We can't take a picture. <laughs> They're all fucking dead. Uh, the warrior, a sting, uh, Hogan, and I don't know, uh, the bushwhackers, and then me. Like, like, which one of these doesn't fit? Right. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many interesting characters in L.A. comedy. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, even Vince McMahon doesn't put his own picture on the yeah. WrestleMania well, he's out of control. Post. I don't know what's up. <laughs> I mean, it was so horrifying watching Monday Night Raw. And I'm a oh. fan like of that era. So yeah. I was excited right. to see, like, right. oh, Shawn Michaels is back. He looks... It, it was. He, he did not look like the Shawn Michaels I grew up like. <laughs> I'm straight, but Shawn Michaels was a good-looking dude. He was. And I was yeah. like, oh. Lenny told me all about it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I can appreciate another man's uh, looks, like like mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren in Rocky IV. That is like male perfection. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, but to see Hulk Hogan kind of look. It's like that was well, the first time I ever looked at Hulk Hogan. So, oh wow, he's yeah. old. Well, you know, to see Hulk Hogan at all at this point is like, okay. yeah, he's like, 
like had two hip replacements. Yeah. His cold. face doesn't move anymore. Have you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got like, I mean, when you suntan like he has, <laughs> and you're, he's got to be, I mean, I'm 50. He's got to be 15 years older than me. So he's 65 ish. Yeah. I mean, I know we all age. Mm hmm. Get a wrinkle hair, gray hair. There. Well, you know what? Racism ages you. That's what I think we've seen evidence of that. I mean, I had Eric Bischoff on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. Listen to it. Yeah. For two and a half hours, I was killing with him just because he saw oh, this guy's a fan. Like, it's it it weird for to have Eric Bischoff in my house. Mm. Like, if you grew up like me and Lenny, like huge wrestling, like Marks. Uh, Eric Bischoff was was the head of WCW. Uh, he was the head of he was you know uh, he. Now I have a context. <laughs> I mean, he was the brains behind beating the WWE for two years in the ratings. Mm -hmm. I mean, he it was really due to him, and uh, some say that the decline was due to him as well. But uh, mm -hmm. and I know he's best friends with Hulk Hogan. So as he, I felt so good about this podcast. I thought toward the end, hey, let me run an idea by you, Eric. I was like, he's like, what? He gets on the, where you guys are sitting. He gets on. He's like, oh, shit, he's interested. Like, this better be good. And I'm like, well, I know Hulk Hogan's had some problems saying the N-word. I got a good idea for his comeback. He's totally rehabilitate uh, his uh, horrific uh, reputation because it was on tape, him saying yeah, the N-word. I, I don't, I don't want Which Mike was kind of heartbreaking because we all grew up feeling like he was our uncle, didn't we? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, uncle. Uh, yeah, I, I had a few uncles who. But then I do have some racist uncles. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, when my dad died, all his racist friends showed up at the uh, not party, but uh, whatever wake. Or, uh, it was like the after funeral uh, get together. Like reception kind of thing. Uh, and uh, we had this 18 year old uh, gigantic African American kid. Uh, was my dad's caretaker because he, you know, he, without getting into details, he uh, he needed help, and uh, Fabian was the only guy who could lift him up and, and take him where he had to go. And all my dad's racist friends were like, "Hey, boy, uh, can you get me a drink?" And I was like, uh, Jesus Christ, you just called the guy who was like saving my dad's life, boy, and they saw nothing wrong with it. Oh, uh, Jesus. So I Are they Trump supporters too. Oh, probably. Oh, well, well, it was Florida. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they were probably, uh, you know, uh, and I think they were all members of Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, uh, okay, now I have a good comment. No, I mean, it's, I, actually, yeah. I think they were. Uh, wow. But I'm like, hey, well, how about we have Hulk Hogan battle? It's a battle royal, and every two minutes, no, it's a Royal Rumble, I meant. And uh, every two minutes, a black wrestler comes out, and uh, <laughs> they get to, like, beat the shit out of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and of course right. every two minutes is going to turn four minutes because they're black you know they're always late <laughs> and he just looks at me and every bit of goodwill i built up in those two and a half hours disappeared <laughs> and, you didn't uh, think that was funny at all i mean uh i was doing so well the first two and a half hours and i got caught up in the moment just because i mean if you're a pro wrestling fan of the last mm -hmm. uh 25 years eric bischoff is like uh you know, second to Vince McMahon mm -hmm. in terms of uh, importance. Uh, I just got caught up in the moment. And it's like sometimes my comedy, I get caught up and <laughs> yeah. I'm doing so well, I'm going to do an AIDS joke right now. And just, you know, I do a Michael Jackson joke sometimes when I'm really feeling so good that I can't lose the crowd. And it's almost 100% of the time lost the crowd. Uh, can I hear, can we hear the joke? I mean, it's not the greatest joke and uh, it's just a joke about, you know, I watched the documentary long story short and um, you know, I mean, listen, I, 
Michael Jackson was a brilliant entertainer, but like, I believe he. I do too. You know, I don't, I was neighbors with OJ. I don't want to believe OJ killed two people. I I believe he did. Uh, But his fetish, according to this documentary, was uh, having these seven-year-old kids uh, disrobe and spread their butt cheeks. And my joke is more or less, uh, you know, when I was seven years old, I could wipe my ass very well. And so I would have been kicked out of the ranch pretty fast. <laughs> and it's not like the greatest joke, but I mean, it, it, and at it, it, the you know, you inevitably they're Michael Jackson fan. I mean, most people are Michael Jackson fans. Yeah, he was like the greatest pop star of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I would feel the same way. I'm a Springsteen guy. Uh, so if. Yeah, but like, how, like tons and tons of boys never accused Springsteen. <laughs> but if they did, no, I would want to not believe it. I mean, yeah. like, no, it's right. Bruce Springsteen. It's the boss. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, it's so, especially the other documentary uh, with the, you know, the, there were so many documentaries this year. R. Kelly. Uh, uh, I mean, the R. Kelly one didn't bother me because I wasn't a fan. Mm. I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking creep. Mm. Uh, but I mean, Michael Jackson was so... Oh, he's the greatest of all time, musically, like yeah. as a pop star. Yeah, oh, as a, yeah. there's no one who comes close. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, he would, beyond, like, you can't even, it's like the Beatles. Yeah. The only Maybe one even bigger. The person who comes close to him now is Beyonce, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if something She's came out. our generation's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if something horrible came out about her, I would probably weep and cry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get bummed out uh, when I think of OJ. I mean, OJ used to throw me the football as a kid oh, in, wow. in, in my old neighborhood and, you know, I was like, that's Nordberg from the Naked Gun movies. Yeah. And like, uh, and just to go, I mean, I mean, it's just like someone killed those two people. Yeah. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the size 13 Bruno Molly shoe. And it's a very rare shoe size. It's a very rare shoe. OJ mm-hmm. had those. Shoes. It's like, come on. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I never want to meet people I like. Yeah. It's, right. It always ends up bad. It's always disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's always so disappointing when you meet people you like. I just, but at the comedy store specifically, there's so many celebrities up there that like when I got to meet Rowdy, he was awesome. He was yeah. made it even uh-huh. better. Oh, uh, that's cool. yeah. And then, uh, you know, other people I've met up there have been pretty nice, but I don't want to meet anyone. It just ruins the illusion of, you know, I don't know. You always just think everyone's perfect. Like I, Springsteen, I'm sure, could be a dick to someone. Mm. I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Man. Especially when you get to that level of fame and people stop telling you how you're behaving. You don't even know. You probably don't even know if you're an asshole anymore. Or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think you know. You just don't care. Oh. <laughs> But, you know, that's, I mean, you know, like, that's why I love someone like Russell Peters. We spoke about earlier. You you won't find a nicer guy on earth. Oh, really? Oh, my God. He is, like, he doesn't even tell you what he does. Like, if if you, like, you know, some people, oh, I've got this kind of car. I make a lot of money doing this or whatever. And Russell just takes his openers out. He'll buy them clothes. and Not that Mm -hmm. because he buys you something, he's nice. But, like, he's just very giving. And he doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, so. Hey, do you mind, do y'all mind if I go to the bathroom real quick? I drank a lot of water. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, you're not the, yes, please. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, carry on the conversation about uh, Lenny and what he does wrong in the relationship. Uh, <laughs> so take a long piss. Um, but what's, while he's in there, I probably should have waited till, uh, I'm just hoping to God it's clean. Uh, 
what is next for you guys? Like uh, now that the album's out, it's doing well. Yeah, it is. It's doing really well. Um, uh, is it just back to the comedy grind? Yeah, I mean, yes. You know, we I want to back to the com right. Well, now I feel like I have to write all new material because like all my favorite stuff is on the album. <laughs> so definitely doing a lot of writing, and uh, I'm working. We're working on some short films. Oh, okay. We're, I we've been working on a couple of scripts. I'm, we worked on a pilot. So we have two pilots. Uh, and we're, I'm working, we're working on a screenplay. We always do everything together. We end up writing together. Uh, so yeah, we have a lot of, I'm really, in, we're really focusing on writing right now because honestly, like I love stand up, but we're not getting paid out here <laughs> for it. I mean, and we need, I need more, you know, to keep me happy with it, with the creative uh, side of things. So, well, yeah, you, you want to get paid at some point. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm sure all three of us get, uh, gigs every day uh, or uh, offered gigs yeah. and say like, well you can pay me uh, yeah. oh uh yeah uh, well and they stutter more than mel tillis the country <laughs> singer uh who had a horrible stutter but when he sang he didn't stutter mm, nice. i'm obsessed with him uh <laughs> and it's probably the only time mel tillis's name has ever been mentioned on a podcast <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's you can definitely lose not necessarily your enthusiasm but uh, everyone wants you to work for free in stand-up. Yeah, it's oh, hard. Yeah. There's not a lot of value for stand-ups, even though what we do is really hard. You know, because after I started doing stand-up, it just led to acting because people started right. asking me to do stuff for them. And so I acted for a while. Acting is really hard, too. But, like, somebody else wrote those lines. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, stand-up, we do everything for ourselves. And I had a manager for acting. It's a lot harder to get a manager for stand-up. So we're managing ourselves. We're like our own agents. We're writing our own material. We're directing ourselves and we're the performer. But yet it doesn't have the same respect, you know? Like people don't really put a monetary value on what we do. Well, it's hard to... Uh, I've had just managers straight up tell me, Earl, there's no money in stand-up uh, in terms of like just, you know, like, okay, Earl, you're paid regular at the comedy store. Do I really care about 10% of your $20 you get? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, and uh, yeah. I, I, I guess I could see it from their perspective, but to me, it's like, well, help us get more TV gigs. Yeah. Like even my manager, he was like, "Oh, I want to manage you as a comic too." And then after a while, he was like, "There's no way for me to make money." <laughs> he was like, "I have to explain this to my agency because he works for someone too," you know. So, oh yeah, it was just like a. I mean, he was sending me to some good audition. Honestly, though, I will say, like, even uh, as a comic who acts, like, I hated all the auditions I I I got. Like, I just hated that. It was just like terrorist number three and, you know, Indian auntie <laughs> yeah. with an accent. And I was like, of course, I'm not going to book 50 year old auntie with an accent. You know what not, I mean? Like, not even terrorist number one. Not even terrorist, terrorist number, number one. Three. Terrorist number three. It was just like, it felt like really humiliating going to auditions. Well, it is. And it is. It's especially like it was always something like really like kind of racist or really sexist. Everything that I was reading for or like because I'm not super thin in L.A., like the ugly best friend. And I was like. I don't know if I'm believable, <laughs> Tell them. but you got to do it because it's an audition, especially yeah. if it's for a network or something. And you feel like you have to say yes. I mean, after a while, I had to get a regular day job again, so I'm not auditioning now. But when I had that overnight gig, I was able to do that. But that, too, like is really hard because you're working all night, somehow staying awake in the day, even though you didn't sleep all night, to do an audition and be good. Get like three hours of sleep and then do a show or a mic at in the evening and then going back to work all night. Like it was like it's a crazy lifestyle. Mm. But on top of that, then you go to all these auditions and it's so like degrading, you know, and they're always like there was I have a great Indian accent. I could do a great one. People was like, that doesn't sound authentic. I'm like, it does, though. You don't know what it sounds like. Right. I'm not a fool from The Simpsons. You know? yeah. like, like, so it was just humiliating doing um, even when I was like and I had a manager even. And the thing is, like when it is humiliating. 
if you're a comic, people would say, but you're a comedian. You should laugh at it. So like you're never allowed to feel humiliated if you're a, com- if you're a funny person, you know? And I was like, no, yeah, terrorist number three for the seventh time in a row. It's humiliating. Mm. <laughs> you know? But, you know, if it gets your gig on TV, that, that helps your stand-up gigs because yeah. then they can say, you saw her play uh, terrorist number three on... Uh, <laughs> what you want? <laughs> Aziz Ansari's new special or whatever, like. Oh uh, no, it's like it's. It would be for like those, um, you know, those cop shows. Right, yeah. like cops, mm-hmm. like the actual. Oh, you no, mean like, like yeah. uh, CSI? Yeah, those type of shows. Uh, like it was terrorist number three, and I never even booked terrorist number three. That's the worst part. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, terrorists out there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not even gonna help me with stand up, you know. So. I mean, I uh, once had to audition for Sons of Anarchy as white supremacist number 12. I was like, number 12? (laughs) You can't even be the head. Yeah, I can be the leader. Trust me. Uh, Or, or, you know, but I mean, that's why I like voiceover work so much Mm. better. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It's just they're looking for a voice. You either have it or you don't. Like, it's not, you know, if they want an Indian voice, I'm not going to get that. You you are. (laughs) Yeah. So it's there's less bullshit, I think, in voiceovers. Yeah, yeah. I can see that, especially because your appearance doesn't matter because no one sees you. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of like TV, it's just uh, if you look the part, most of the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not who the best actor yeah. is. I mean, and we don't. I don't look any part. Poor Lenny, no one knows. Well, well I, I I played Meth Cook Number Two oh, on yeah, sure. on NCIS Los Angeles. <laughs> and you, you met LL Cool J, so it was all worth it. Yeah, it was cool, but I, I guess I do look that part because I'm so. But skinny. you got a great look because you're African American, but and but you kind of almost look white. I guess like yeah, your light your light could, skinned enough <laughs> where you could be white, yeah. which is like the perfect. Or I could even see someone saying, "Well, he could be Mexican." Yeah, I've I've played every pretty much every ethnicity. But that's great. Yeah. I always think it's funny when Lenny plays Filipino. Yeah. I can see that too. Like the, yeah, the only six foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the worst category you could be a, a white guy. Like, but you guys get more. Like there's more roles for white men. But like I'm I'm like selfishly like I'm not. Like I'm not fat, I'm not skinny. I, I I'm a tweener mm. in every sense of the word. Which you know, I'm not like incredibly attractive, but I'm not like a complete fucking uh, gargoyle. <laughs> so uh, it's you know, I think in casting, it, it pays to be one yeah. or the other. Like, yeah, I have yeah. to have a look. I was and told that too that I wasn't thin enough to play a regular role. Right, but I'm not big enough to play a plus size role. Yeah, like I'm just I'm a pretty. Um, average american size but on the like the curvier side so there's like i'm not in one or the other so it's like placing me is difficult yeah so i mean that's why you see like like ralphie may was uh, was a great uh, you know rest in peace ralphie yeah. also a, a rest in peace to one of my favorite 80s actors who died today oh, who was the great you're probably too young <laughs> You you were just a little bit out of his prime, <laughs> uh, Rutger Hauer. Oh yeah, you've seen Blade Runner. He's oh, yeah. more known for uh, yeah. being the uh, bad uh, Roy Batty was his name in Blade mm-hmm. Runner. But yeah. I knew him from the Stallone movie Nighthawks. Nighthawks, yes. Which was, I mean, Stallone, one of Stallone's forgotten gems. Yeah. Stallone and Billy D. Williams. Yes, a very. Yes. I saw Billy D. Williams at my gym the other day in an all white jumpsuit. Shades on, just walking on the treadmill, uh, and you think, yeah. "God, what a loser!" But he looked so cool, right? He's still. He's it still. was so like, "Wow, that's Lando Calrissian." Yeah, man. 
Good for Man, him though. That, He's got a thing. He's still running the gimmick. I love. Oh it. yeah, and I, I just it. looked. I walked up to him because I have no shame, and I'm like, "Hey, I loved you in Nighthawks." Oh, he dug it. Nice. Because everyone goes up to him. <laughs> I loved you in yeah. Star Wars. All right, guys. This. I mean, Dope. let's plug the album one more time. All right, the album Brownie Do nice Point. and slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every possible. <laughs> Site because some people don't. I'm amazed at the amount of people who don't do iTunes. Uh, so, uh, I I don't think I've bought a non iTunes music related uh, item in in probably 15 years. But there's some people who just don't like Apple. So uh, what's the name of the album? The name of the album is Brownie Points. Yes, Brownie Points, a comedy album by two brown people. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. It's on Amazon. You can stream it on Pandora, YouTube. It's pretty much everywhere where they sell music, stream music. It's there. And where can people find... We'll, we'll go ladies first. <laughs> and even though I know you've had some bad experiences with the freaks on social media, <laughs> where do you want people to? Twitter, Instagram is the... Yeah, Instagram is my favorite, at Roger Michael Comedy. You better spell that R-A- for my fans. <laughs> R-A-J-A, that's my first name, Raja. Michael, just like the boy's name, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That is my real last name. People always ask. People say, is that a stage name? Because my name, like, why would I choose Michael as a stage name? But whatever. And then comedy. So Raja Michael Comedy on Instagram. Uh, and then Raja Christina on Twitter. Christina is my middle name. And yeah, that's the easiest place uh, to, to find me. And Lenny, where can I follow all... back? So follow, please. <laughs> yes, please. But you know, it, I don't think people realize it. You know, you follow us, we follow you, you leave a review. Uh, and also message me, like, as long I think I said all this stuff, is don't be scared to message me. As long as you're not being a creep, I'm happy to chat. <laughs> like, follow me, uh, message me. Uh, you lost my fan base. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a creep. <laughs> and Lenny, where can uh, the, the fans find you? Yes, you can find me. On Twitter, at Lenny Shelton, real simple. And also, you can find me on Instagram, at Lenny underscore Shelton. And, of course, Shelton is S-H-E-L-T-O-N for Earl's fans. For a long time that we were dating, I thought it was spelled with an A-N. Yeah, she didn't know how to spell my name. (laughs) (laughs) I could spell her name, but she couldn't spell mine. Michael's easy. Everyone knows and before I go, you know, I was wondering, Earl, is this the same mic that Virgil used? I'm just wondering. <laughs> you know, it's one of those two. Oh, of course, okay. uh, for those non-wrestling fans, Virgil was uh, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase's uh, sidekick. Uh, slave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it is crazy that uh, you're talking about uh, being a couple of color uh, and we're all pro-wrestling fans, how men primarily of color were treated in the world of pro wrestling. Mm. Oh, very bad. Oh, yeah. uh, oh horrible. Like, bad, uh, you know, Virgil was basically an Uncle Tom. Yeah. You know, Kamala, who I'm obsessed oh, with, yeah. uh, was basically a savage. Right, uh, African savage, yeah. Native who was incapable of speaking the English language. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the junkyard dog was... Uh, had to come to the ring growling like an right. animal right uh, and he had to do his I, dance and yeah, yeah he was, uh, had a dog collar around yeah. his neck you had slick the jive talking pimp <laughs> it's a pimp yeah uh, and probably the most racist thing was when they turned the one-man gang who's this huge oh, white guy God. with a beard into uh man Akeem I mean, the african uh, yeah, dream <laughs> Akeem. they turned the whitest guy you could find i mean a guy 
who made me look black. He was so white. <laughs> into this jive-talking soul brother, which was kind of funny at the time. Was it like a yeah. blackface thing? No. no. Uh, he was a white guy who, uh, when he was the one-man gang, was just a big... He'd wear like a one piece, a unitard, I guess. He was just yeah. a big guy. That was yeah. his. He was, and he was always a bad guy. Right. Uh, but Get then, a mohawk. And, yeah. yeah, they had like a, and he would wear sometimes a jean, uh, like a cutoff jean vest. Yeah. And then uh, someone decided, hey, let's turn him black. Yeah. Like he'll still look white. Yeah. But we're gonna have him speak jive and do like these. And he wore dashiki and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it was. Look like, at Roger's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe the most racist wrestling yeah. sketch ever is when they did his debut uh -huh. and if you remember you wrestling fans who are a little older they had slick and gene okerland the white announcer in a like an alley in new york they were they were in an alley and they were saying like we're in like the deepest darkest parts of africa and it was like supposed to be like an alley in the hood you know and then <laughs> slick comes with his ghetto blaster yeah. talking like really amped up jive like you know my brothers i'm good and then he just introduces uh, akeem the african dream and i'm like that's one man gang and yeah. then Akeem is like doing like these really white guy. He, was, he would do the stupid like yeah, like would, like wave his arms like like he was swimming <laughs> like that's what black people do. <laughs> and then they had these like six black uh, like background uh, natives yeah. in grass skirts, mm. but they were all wearing like Nike. It was just like the stupidest fucking. <laughs> oh uh, my god! And I know. Did you guys see? Uh, do you guys get Vice? On the, do you, uh, oh, I watched Vice. Yeah. Uh, they have yeah. the uh, Dark Side of the yeah, Ring. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, uh, and I know they just got picked up for season two, and I know one of the, uh, I believe one of the future episodes will be on race. Oh, okay, uh, that'll be. It's not going to be about any particular wrestler, but uh, oh. you know, it's just going to be. I'm sure about everyone we just named. Probably Bad News Brown, who oh, was like yeah. a legit. Uh, he wasn't a Black Panther, but he was like a militant, like in his views, uh, and like he had stories about Andre the Giant calling him the N-word. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, you know, bad news. You shouldn't call anyone the N-word, but no. if you were going to pick someone to not call the N-word, <laughs> <laughs> it would be bad news Brown, right. who was like a legit... Wasn't he like a trained martial artist? Yeah, he was uh, like the 74 Olympic... Oh, I guess they wouldn't have the Olympics in 74. Maybe 76, like, Olympic judo champ. So mm -hmm. uh, you should never call anyone a racial uh, word, but... An ex judo Olympian that yeah. might be first on your list. It's not your racist and stupid, right? Yeah, right? Yes. It's one thing to be racist, but racist and stupid, it's inexcusable. Yeah. Hulk Hogan uh, was on the bus and went, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, geez, he's out of control. Uh, he really is out of he, he is. Well, he's from Tampa. I mean, if, yeah. I mean, you know, come on, let's be real. Uh, <laughs> so, well, guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. For, Thanks for having us. Oh, no, no, I mean, it was you. great to have you back. Anytime either one of you want to come on, because uh, I think we hit a lot of topics. Yeah. Uh, Never yeah. offer that to me because, you know, I like to talk. I can talk whatever. <laughs> but you're like the perfect podcast guest. Yeah. And I really mean that. We've, oh, we've never met. Mm -hmm. So, like, usually when two people never met uh meet for the first time it's awkward and like you both are shy i mean i'm shy actually so uh, uh but you know you want people to talk a lot the yeah. worst thing as a podcast host is when they don't get when they give one word answers right oh yeah i can see that yeah. i mean i've had i think this is episode 282 i've had one guest and i'm very lucky 
that's all they gave were one word answers. Wow. Oh, wow. Because they were, they didn't want to talk about what they were famous for, and which I get. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, what do you want to talk about? Like, you're really only famous for one or two things from the 80s. And I get you've probably been talking about them for 30 years, mm. but it's like, what, what? I mean, you, you got, no, you know, I don't want to give away who it is, but like, <laughs> you're not really doing a lot right now. <laughs> so we have to talk about what you did. But, uh, you know, I get it. You know, I'm sick of talking about roast battle to people. Like, mm. but that's all they want to talk about. So, <laughs> I get it. Or we have to talk about Alive, the the Kiss Alive album. Is that the person you're talking about? <laughs> the, uh, uh, well, no. I I, I, I mean, I, I mean, and they, I, I don't want to give away who they were because, uh, because they. Were, I'm very respectful that people were nice enough to come here. Uh, you know, I lose a lot of guests because they like, oh, I have to come to you. Uh, yeah, I don't mm. do Skype. I don't do phone because I just like looking at. Yeah, it Even, makes it for a better conversation, right? I mean, I, yeah, like if this would have happened over the phone, it probably wouldn't have been as good of an interview because I, oh, I don't. Is she bored? Is is like uh, so? Uh, you know how I do it is uh, not how everyone does it. So I do appreciate people coming here, but this particular person was it was just tough. It's the only mm -hmm. episode under an hour. Wow, and I, I struggled to get to that. <laughs> oh man! So uh, become. Friends of uh, the new comedy couple in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. You don't realize how tough it is to maintain a relationship in general. But to be a comedy couple is almost unheard of. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> and more than once. My current situation is going well. Nice. But uh, we won't leave uh, on a bad note. Raja and Lenny are two good people. Buy their album. Thank you. Yeah, this is how. So much. Leave a review. Can people leave a review on like yeah, iTunes? Leave a re yeah, reviews help so much. People don't realize. Yeah. And they help so much. And it's like I can't get my mother to write a review. Then I don't want her to hear all the jokes I made about her either on the album. People don't realize, but reviews help so much. It makes such a huge difference. And like. You know, it only has to take 30 seconds, you know. And that's I beg people to leave reviews for this podcast because, you know, the at least on Apple Podcasts and iTunes for the comedy album, it's it's an algorithm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's based on the number of ratings, five-star ratings you have. And, and uh, people just literally, like you just said, 30 seconds. I love the album. It's funny. Mm -hmm. or, or whatever you want to say. I love the podcast. It's I like the guest. Uh, so it's a lot of free work we do for your, the listeners. Mm -hmm. So please leave a review for their comedy album, this podcast. And next time this interview will take place on ABC when we're on After Kimmel because the show got so big and Raja and Lenny got so big because of your reviews. <laughs> the Hollywood Gods called. Inappropriate Earl. Apple Podcast. SoundCloud. Friday, we have a big guest. It's not Tyler, the creator. <laughs> it's his writing partner and co-creator of the Jellies, Lionel Boyce, who will give us an insight as to how a wacky cartoon like the Jellies got made. And hopefully he'll have news on season three, Adult Swim, Cartoon Network. Thank you for the love. Break.